Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hi, how you doing? How you feeling? You ready for another show? Well, listen up. One of the best ways to unwind after a week of relentless chaos is the After Party Podcast presented exclusively on our Patreon page. It's a commercial-free 90-minute podcast that's kind of like eavesdropping on an evening chat between me and my girlfriend, Kimberly Johnson. It's far more personal than the free shows with all kinds of revelations about our personal lives for some reason, but with all the latest political commentary in there, too. And it can get really weird and fun. So don't miss out. Subscribe to the After Party level at patreon.com slash Show, and you'll also get two Shadow Docket episodes included in that level of support every week. Again, it's patreon.com slash Show, and now let the cartoons begin. The Bob Seska Show. Bob Seska. If you vote for me... All of your wildest dreams will come true. The Bob Seska Show. From our nation's capital, it is Wednesday, October 4, 2023, and this is the Bob Seska Interview on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Bob. Hello, Bob. Hi. Day 987 of the Biden-Harris administration, 397 days until the 24th presidential election. You can find me on threads and Instagram at TheBobSeska, Twitter, BobSeska underscore go, Spoutable, Bob Seska, and our Patreon page is BobSeskaShow.com. So ever since I was nine years old, I've always wanted to be on the radio. And somehow I managed to luck into doing exactly that. 30 years ago, right about now, I got my first daily morning show while I was in college. And now I get to do this podcast. I also love to talk with other broadcasters on the show, broadcasters like the inimitable Tara Dublin. You might know Tara from her appearances on Hal Sparks Mega Worldwide or her popular Twitter feed where she gets blocked by Republicans or shows such as this one. Plus, Tara has a brand new book out called The Sound of Settling. Link in the description. Let's sell some books today. More books than Marjorie Taylor Greene will sell today, right? Oh, and don't forget to support her work with a tip jar donation to her Venmo at Tara Dublin. Meantime, don't forget to support this podcast by subscribing to our Patreon page, bobseskashow.com. Okay, hang on tight. Arms and legs inside the vehicle at all times. Here's me and Tara Dublin. More fun, more music, the Bob Seska Show. This is a weird 
weird place to start, but your name popped into my head the other day. Uh, I finally watched that documentary on Netflix about the Portland Mavericks, the battered bastards of baseball. Was oh, the- yeah. That's a great documentary. Yeah. With Kurt Russell. And yeah, was- I never knew all of that about Kurt Russell and his family. I had no idea until I watched that documentary. OK, see, because I was going to ask you because you live in Portland. I was thinking, OK, yep. you've had all kinds of encounters with these guys. I bet you once met Bing Russell. And, yeah. Nope. Nope. No. Nope. Okay. But I would love it. I mean. Hey, Kurt Russell, anytime Kurt wants to come back up to Portland and walk around his own stopping grounds, I would be delighted. <laughs> have I delighted ever... to escort him about town. Him and Goldie can come up. They can bring Kate and all the kids. <laughs> I- I'd love to hang out. I don't have anything to do, Bob. I don't have a job, so let's go. Have I ever asked you whether you've bumped into a roll-off yet in Portland? I have encountered a roll-off or two. In the wild, the free-range uh, roll-offs. Out in the wild, the free-range roll-offs will occasionally leave the farm and come into the city proper. Um, yeah. Amy, in particular, likes like is the most, I think, most social of all the roll-offs. And I met her forever ago when I was still on the radio here, and people still hired me to host events. And I forget what event it was that I was hosting. Yeah. But it was something that had an auction and she bought something. I do remember that. It may have been for Basic Rights Oregon back in the day before gay marriage was legal. Yeah. So it's been a long time and they've been through it. You know, they had their reality show. They got divorced. She got remarried. Right. So I wasn't invited to the wedding. I'm not in the roll-off inner circle, but... You know, I think uh, we, we do have our local celebrities that you'll maybe occasionally spot out and about, but you have to have a really discerning eye to see them. So what's the deal with Amy Roloff then? We're talking about the uh, reality show Little People, Big World, which is set I, I in Portland, I Oregon. Can't, I cannot tell you what her deal is. Okay. I don't know. I genuinely don't know. If I was a person who had money from a reality show and a farm and a successful business... I would be perfectly content. I would. Yeah. Because I have no money. I had to borrow my money for my mother to pay my rent. And we'll get to that later. But like, I I don't know. I think success, if it comes to you when you're not expecting it and Mm -hmm. it's hard to deal with, um, there's, there's the kind of success that you can enjoy just because you've built a business and people in your town know you. And then there's the, everybody in the world recognizes you because you agreed to have your life filmed. Uh, That's on you. You know, like all of these people who went into the reality television world and now regret it, I don't have any sympathy for you. Like, if you don't know what you're signing up for, that's on you. You know, and if you're going to complain that you have no privacy or that the world has impacted your life, I'm sorry, I don't have any sympathy for you. And if you're going to be a bitch walking around life going, it's none of your business what I do, well, then don't walk around with a camera crew. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. That, that's, how, that's, that's my take. Yeah, because Kimberly and I watch that show, Little People, Big World, mm-hmm. way more often than we probably should. I, I think I've seen the whole series <laughs> through maybe twice. Yeah, it's uh, not only still oh. on, but you can watch the old episodes on one of the streaming channels. Yeah, the thing about that show is we're always speculating what their politics are, naturally. And we know oh, that Matt I'm, is... I'm sure they're Trumpy. Yeah, I'm sure I, like I, Matt Roloff I, I is totally a red I don't hat, have but... any aspersions that they're on our side. I don't. Yeah, yeah. But I sometimes yeah. I wonder about Amy because she seems like she might be more on the normal end of the spectrum. But I've made that mistake many times. Like, oh, that person seems rational and sane. And then they start talking about, you know, you bring up Obama and suddenly they go bananas, right? 
It's like I was cool until you found out I was a racist. <laughs> exactly. So, in fact, we don't really want to know because we're afraid that something horrendous is going to come out and we're going to be like, oh, God, now we can't watch the show anymore. What are we going to do it, without it, Little it, People, it, Big World? I mean, I can recommend a lot of other TV shows for you to watch <laughs> if, if that's your major concern. Yeah, but, I, know, uh, I know. To me, it's, I mean, we, have, we are living in such a time where there's no such thing as normal. Right. Or just like, you know, like acceptable normal. Mm -hmm. Everybody seems to be living at threat level midnight at all times. Yeah. And accepting the most crazy lunatic behavior as normalcy. So yeah. I, I don't really know how to gauge any of it anymore. When people start talking, I'm just like, okay, you're crazy. And I should have known, I should have known that. <laughs> I should have known that before anything. I should have just, I don't know. Maybe we shouldn't leave our houses anymore. I'm, right. I'm really not sure what to do. Oh, I'm all for that. Uh, I'm totally into that. In <laughs> fact, I've already implemented that plan myself. <laughs> I I mean, I'm trying really, anymore. really hard yeah, to find. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I love working from home because that means I don't have to deal with the public. Right. So, and up until the end of July, I had a writing gig that kept me employed and I could pay my bills. And ever since I got laid off from that at the end of July, I've been really, really struggling uh, to pay the rent. And I don't want to have to go out and find a job in the real world because the more time I spend out in the real world, particularly here in Portland, the less I want to be out there. And I don't I, I used to be a really gregarious social person. I have my community and I have my people, but I don't want to talk to anybody else. I yeah. truly don't. <laughs> so that that that's why I'm 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 sitting here in my apartment, like just like trying everything I can to make sure I don't have to go back to the service industry, yeah. or I don't have to go work in a fucking grocery store, or anything like that. That we shouldn't have to. I shouldn't have to do that. Like all of these people who are writing these hot garbage takes and getting paid for it, mm. I should have their jobs. Like I I I don't know what has happened to. People like I, Bob, I really don't know what's happened to online journalism. Yeah. Oh, um, I know. And I mean, we'll get to like the insanity that happened yesterday and how people are framing it. But like, I cannot find anybody at websites that I used to respect who are writing anything that makes sense anymore. Yeah. When you have the Daily Beast writing, putting out articles where uh, one of their writers is like, I'm not writing anything critical of Republicans. Um, What? You have someone who's being paid to write hot garbage takes about Joe Biden. They're all mediocre white guys, right? Writing garbage takes about Martin Short and Joe Biden. Oh, yeah. And then there's the woman at the National Review who wrote a thing about Taylor Swift. Who's like, literally, one of the lines was, why does anyone like her? And I'm oh, like, what are God. you, in the sixth grade, writing in a slam book that you're passing around? Write mean things about Taylor under this list. And then... You, so there's people, Martin Short's not talented. Joe Biden's not a good president. Taylor Swift doesn't, can't bring a crowd. Nancy Pelosi needs to go. Like what? Yeah. So all of these me mediocre people are writing this hot garbage. I don't have a job writing about politics. What the fuck? Right. Clout and chaos seems to be the what? order of the day. Yes. You know what I mean? It's just like. And rage it, clicks. Yeah, that's I exactly right. I don't care what I'm writing as long as I get clicks. All that matters is the clicks and the traffic and what we can generate because Elon is suppressing all of our tweets. If we don't write something that's going to get me rage clicks and get it out there, I'm not going to write it. And it's just like, what? How yeah. can you not write the truth about what the president of the United States, the, the legitimately elected president of the United States, I should say. Mm -hmm. The MSM 
as PTSD from TFG. They don't know how to cover Joe Biden. <laughs> they don't know how to cover Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. They don't know how to do anything anymore because they're all freaked out. And I want to shake them all by the shoulders and make them go back and just watch old news broadcasts from like 2014. Yeah, yeah. Go back. Go back and watch what you did. Right. And Go the, back and watch your coverage of a normal administration and then do that. Right. And, you would and think they would be relieved, and they're not. Exactly. And the coverage from 2014 still kind of sucked. That, that's the crazy thing about but still, it. still. Compared but still, to today, yes, it was yes, better. Yeah. At yeah. least at least in 2014, we still had some dependable people mm -hmm. who could say, hey, here's what happened today. Yeah. You're allowed to make your own opinions. You're allowed to think what you want about this. We're not allowed to think what we want anymore. Now they're telling us what to think at all times. Good, bad, indifferent, whatever. Here's a great story. Here's how you should think about it. Here's a terrible story. Here's how you should think about it. Yeah. And that really bothers me. I miss Peter Jennings and Walter Cronkite yep. saying, here's the story. Okay, good night. <laughs> You funny know, like yeah. Funny thing about that, Tara, is when mm. Kristen Welker did her first Meet the Press interview uh, with Trump and everything. Everyone was like, I, I was so like captivated by the response when people were going, "Yes, I wish Tim Russert was still alive." And I was like, you know what? I remember when Tim Russert was the host of Meet the Press, and everyone yep. hated him because he never followed up. He asked softball questions a lot of times. But now it's gotten even worse. You didn't think it at really... that point in time that someone would come along or a series of someones would come along that would actually be worse than that. I feel as though like all the yelling that we did in the 2000s, for example, during the George W. Bush years, whether it was in the blogosphere mm. or early podcasts, et cetera, on the radio in your case, that was completely useless because the, uh, yeah. the awfulness kept marching on, didn't it? Right. Well, and it, it was, it was commiserate. It was in step with yeah. the rise of social media. Mm -hmm. So when you look back at the GWB years, when people were really not screaming too much on social because social was just kind of getting its footing. Yeah. And then you compare it to 2008, social's getting a little bit more, but then 2012, go back to the 2012 election and look at how the media handled that compared to the 2016 election. Mm -hmm. And I will say, I say this over and over and over and over again. I'm not saying that people did not disagree about politics back then, but the discourse was still imbued with a certain level of respect and dignity and knowledge and intelligence and truth and facts. Yeah. And also, when people disagreed in politics, nobody sent me a meme of a frog dressed like Hitler calling me a kike <laughs> from the Mitt Romney camp. Yeah. That did not happen. Yep. And if anybody wants to say that Trump didn't do anything except expose what was already there, I'm going to call bullshit on that because, yes, there was always terrible people. There were always been racists. There have always been anti-Semites. There have always been these people. But we didn't give them a national platform and say, hey, this is fine. So we didn't normalize that. We said, this is terrible. Yeah, It's terrible that people are saying this. Anti-Semitism is bad. Racism is bad. All of this is bad. And now people are like, do this, do that, do, do, do. Mm -hmm. And Elon and Linda over at Twitter are like, anti-Semitism is fine. We're, we're too busy chasing Paris Clint Hilton clout to yeah. do anything about the anti-Semitism around here. They're and no, none of that is normal. No. Go back and look at the 2012 campaign. Mitt Romney may not have been a great candidate, but at least none of his followers 
We're doing what Donald Trump's followers do. Yeah, and that's I keep there saying. There was a normalcy still in the GOP back then that is right, gone. Right, right. And in fact, that's kind of what I'm talking about when I say uh, uh, make politics boring again. I don't necessarily yes, want, in fact, every time I say it, I kind of stir up some controversy because people are like, well, if politics are boring, then no one's going to participate. But that's not exactly what I'm saying. I'm saying I want to get back to a place where if the Republicans end up winning, it's not going to be the end of all things. It's not going to be the end of democracy. Right. And that's the kind of boring I'm talking about. It's more the better word to use, if I'm not being facetious, is make politics normal again. Um, That'd be great. Yeah. Make it less been, anxiety inducing. You know what I mean? That'd be lovely. That would be lovely. And the problem is that people got addicted to Donald Trump's rage cycle. All right. And that became the default setting for everybody, regardless of their political affiliation. All of a sudden, it became about who can yell the loudest. Mm -hmm. Because if you're yelling the loudest, that means you're right. Yeah. Uh, no, it doesn't. Obviously, it doesn't. And so when you have a petty, narcissistic piece of compromised shit who's walking around through his life with giant chips on his shoulders... And he's using the presidency as a rage, you know, like as a revenge fuck yeah. against all of the people who have wronged him. <laughs> that is not something to be normalized. And then the other thing mm. that we have to, I mean, we really need to find out what he fucking did to the Republican Party. That to this day, people are still saying, well, maybe Trump should be the Speaker of the House. Yeah. Oh, what? Right, he's right. There was just. He's on a courtroom step yesterday. Right. And he's on trial right now. You think he can be speak? What is the fucking wrong? I mean, right. Everyone's how did talking, this happen? Everyone's talking about Republicans in disarray. Everyone's talking about right. how it was just an utter clown show yesterday with the removal of Kevin McCarthy and everything. And what do they follow that up with? Well, you know what? Let's bring in Donald Trump be because what? things aren't fucked because up enough. Because it gets rage clicks. Yeah, exactly. Because it just, and it distracts the MSM from reporting accurately on all of the successes of the Biden-Harris administration. And I am so tired of never seeing that in the MSM. And there was a few weeks back when they were covering, or a couple of months ago, when they were covering one of Donald Trump's arrests. And it was blanket, wall-to-wall -wall coverage of Donald Trump's motorcade and this and that and the other thing. Trump, 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 Trump. Because they can't stop feasting on the red meat left on the carcass. And Stephanie Rule from MSNBC said to the panel, she was like, I bet the Democrats would love it if we spend 10 minutes every day talking about what the Biden-Harris administration is doing. And I'm like, yes, please. Could you please? Could you please fucking do your job and tell us the good news? Yeah. Because you would think, and I know this is naive of me, Bob. It's very naive, but I hmm. believed back in January 2021 when Biden and Harris were sworn in, I thought, oh, the MSM is going to take a collective sigh of relief and say, hooray, we can finally report on a normal administration again. Won't that be fun? And instead of doing that, they're like, no, we have to report on Donald Trump is playing golf and he's a fat piece of shit. No, what? No, stop <laughs> it. Yeah. The MSM should have in the moment where here's from the very first day when when Joe Biden's like, OK, I've been sworn in now. I'm going to go sit down at the Resolute desk and I'm going to sign this giant pile of executive orders. I'm going to do that right now. Mm -hmm. He didn't even take off his coat. He's like, I'm going to go do this. Boom. That's when the MSM should have been like, oh, my God, thank you so much. Yeah. And reducing the hyperbole on Trump. I'm not saying you don't report on him. I'm saying you report on him in a minimal capacity just about his crimes. Here's the crime Donald Trump committed today, and here are going to be the consequences. And here they are. And blah, 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 blah. From now and from this point, 
The man is crying on a courthouse step, and then he goes inside and he's like, I'm sorry I yelled out of those things. I'll be a good boy. You know? I mean, the, the difference between his face on the courthouse steps and his face in the courtroom. Yeah. I mean, come on. The bloviating and then the sadness. And then it's just like the, the crazy and then the reality. And the clown show and then the reality. It's just I'm so tired of the MSM not telling the truth about how abnormal his behavior is. Yeah. And it is not okay to try to explain it away after the horse has left the barn. Okay, right. He burned down the barn. Stop trying to say, this is what he meant. This is what he should have said. This, fuck him. Yeah. He is a criminal. He has been arrested four times in one calendar year in any other political climate. They would turn their backs on him and walk away and shun him and would not want any of his disgusting stench on them. And instead they dig in and say, he should be speaker. So what I want to know is why, how compromised are they? What is it that he still has to this day on those who remain loyal? And then how do we get them out of our house? Yeah. Because they do not belong in Congress. I am really tired of this normalization of evil and treason. Mm -hmm. In our Congress, when petty Patrick McHenry takes over for Kevin McCarthy with his baby gavel and then tries to pretend that there's not a Nancy Pelosi, there's not a Steny Hoyer, there's not a Democratic uh, House that, I mean, he's pretending that the House Democrats are not aligned. They don't have a unifying mission. He's trying to pretend that the Democrats aren't stronger than the Republicans. It's bullshit. Yeah. Call it what it is. It is abnormal. George Santos is about to be sentenced and put away. Marjorie Taylor Greene stood on the steps of the White House before she was ever sworn into office and told us she was plotting January 6th, and she's still walking around free. Mm -hmm. Lauren Boebert tried to assassinate Nancy Pelosi on January 6th and tweeted her whereabouts. Jim Jordan is complicit in treason and called Donald Trump on January 6th with his yapping, flapping, wet, <laughs> drunk, monkey, rape-enabling mouth, and I'm done. <laughs> Matt Gates is under... I'm not done. Matt Gates is under a current House Ethics Committee investigation for raping and sex trafficking teenage girls. Paul Gosar is mentally unstable and should not be in Congress. Mm -hmm. Andy Biggs, do I have to have seven people right there yeah. that I just named who do not belong in our house at all? That's just the House. Then you have Congress. Why is Ted Cruz still in Congress? That's ridiculous. There are so many mm -hmm. Trump publicans. I'm tired of it. I want to know, how did we get here? Why are we still here? Why are they still so loyal to Donald Trump at this late in the game? How is Carrie Lake able to file paperwork to run for Senate in Arizona? It's ridiculous. It we is. have to stop normalizing this. We yeah. really, really do. I think so much of what you just said, Tara, can go back to what we were initially talking about, which is that so much virtue now is wrapped up in the notion of engagement, getting eyeballs, getting attention, getting downloads, exactly. shares, likes, retweets, all the rest of it. That's what drives public life in so many ways now. And that's why oh my God. it's superseded all other virtues. 
It's like if you go back, uh, like we were talking about before with regard to going back to even 2014, where there were other virtues in the endeavor of pursuing journalism, of reporting on politics. Well, you know, you want to be accurate. You want to report on things that are important. And that would often drive the publication of certain stories. But now it's all about clicks. It's all about being first to social media with whatever you write and getting the most eyeballs on that thing so you can sell advertising and you can sell Substack subscriptions and all the rest of it. And it drives drives so much of our journalism now. And in fact, even beyond that, it drives our politics. I would wager that that idea, the notion of making decisions or elevating people based on the kind of engagement they can bring is kind of what delivered Donald Trump into our laps. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because that's his thing. Yeah, because he was, he was the first social media candidate. Yes. And, uh, and, and to his credit, he was able to harness that power because nobody fully understood Mm -hmm. exactly how that could happen. Then we saw it happen. And that's why it didn't work again in 2020 because we were hit to it. But that also makes me wonder, were there fake electors in 2016 and we didn't know to look for them? Yeah. But we did in 2020 and that's how we made sure he didn't get reelected because we didn't know what to look for. Right, right. Because we weren't expecting that level of abnormalcy in our election process. Yeah. And now that they've thrown, you know, Trump's fully loaded diaper all over the process. I, we have to clean it up. Yeah. We have to clean the house. We really, and have clean up politics to the best of our ability. And one of the things like yesterday made me so furious for so many reasons. Once Patrick (laughs) McHenry took over because the lack of respect for Nancy Pelosi is tied into their fear of her. Mm -hmm. Now we all know this bullies attack what scares them because they're petty and they're small and they're scared. And they've been scared of Nancy Pelosi and her power forever. And so what I remembered last night was the uh, Nancy Pelosi's daughter, Alexandra made that excellent documentary about her mom called Pelosi in the house. And it is on HBO max. Yep. And I encourage everybody. I don't care what you think about Nancy Pelosi. I don't care what your politics are. I encourage everybody to go back and watch that. Not just to get her full story, not just to see how awesome she was on January 6th, but there is a moment, there's a whole moment where they were the first time that she was sworn in as speaker and the respect shown to her by the GOP is the polar opposite of what they do now. Mm -hmm. There is a clip of John Boehner on the house floor and he is crying. Yeah. Speaking about her. I think it's the funniest thing in the world when he cries. It's a, he's so (laughs) proud he's so he's like my daughters are gonna see this there's a brown moment for america and now look at the way they now look at the way they treat her because of trump (laughs) i mean some of it started coming out because the racists emerged under the under obama Mm -hmm. but then they really were emboldened to get fully just openly misogynistic towards her when trump was like that woman and the way she clapped at him and all of the things that she did and the way she owns him so easily. And even yesterday, she's in California to honor Diane Feinstein and be there at her funeral. And what does petty little Patrick McPetty do? He's like, you can't have an office anymore. Neither can Stanley Horror. And she's like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. I don't care. I'll sit on the floor in a closet with my Slim Jims and I will still run this country better than you. <laughs> and it's un. It's true. Okay, short break. Back with more Tara Dublin right after these words. 
You can't always get a clean you can feel good about inside and out unless you're using Bubble Genius Bath and Body Products. See, Bubble Genius is a woman-owned small business proudly creating our vegan-friendly products in America and supporting other U.S. businesses by buying our ingredients and supplies from them as often as possible. Plus, you'll be hard-pressed to find packaging as recyclable as ours. Visit BubbleGenius.com and check out our cause-related items too, like our global warming soap and a lot more. We donate our proceeds for those items to worthy causes, like organizations combating climate change and mountaintop removal mining. Good stuff like that. We also send our products to the troops overseas through our Buy a Soldier a Shower campaign. Because the least we can do is keep them smiling and smelling great, right? So visit BubbleGenius.com and feel good and clean. Bubble Genius, doing our part to make the world a better place, one bathtub at a time. That's BubbleGenius.com. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Bob Seska! All-time favorites all day long! Well, part of the problem, I think, Tara, is they don't want anyone talking about the fact that the longest-serving Republican Speaker of the House, Dennis Hastert, is a convicted pedophile. (laughs) So the best guy, the best they can do. And then Matt Gates is the one leading the charge. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, a pedo in that, I mean, why are there so many pedos in our house? Why? Right. Why? And why is Marjorie Taylor Greene friends with all of them? Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's a, I think that's a valid question. The mission of uh, Michael Knowles, Matt Walsh, Ben Shapiro, Candace Owens is to make sure that we are not talking about all the Republican pedophiles, all the Republicans well, convicted of sex crimes and indicted for sex crimes, including right. God knows how many youth pastors every week we read oh, about. My, not a drag queen. Right. None of them a drag right. queen. And that's the idea. It's, that's the idea. We say, okay, it's, hypocrisy. it's, it's trans people. It's doctors who give gender-affirming care to trans children. That's the real problem. Don't look over there to all those Republicans. Dr. Fauci's the bad guy. (laughs) Right. It's Dr. Fauci's the bad guy, and and it's Democrats who should have protected Kevin McCarthy, and it's Democrats' fault that the Republicans are in disarray, and fuck you. Anybody writing those garbage takes. Right before you and I uh, got on here together... There's a guy, I can't remember his name, but he he writes for the Daily Beast and he literally tweeted, I will not write anything criticizing Republicans. Well, then the Daily Beast should fire you. The Daily Beast should fire you for not writing the truth about what's happening right in front of all of us and hire me instead. Because not only will I write the truth about Republicans, 
I will also write the truth about Democrats. Yeah. We will write. The, I will write the truth about Bob Menendez. Bob Menendez needs to go, and he can take Clarence Thomas with him because mm-hmm. they did the same fucking thing. And when Democrats do a bad, we always call them out. Of course, John Edwards. John Edwards is the example I always put up because when we found out John Edwards was a giant cheating piece of shit, we were like, "You are now dead to us." Yeah, you were supposed to be the great. Hope for 2004, Kerry Edwards was going to save us from Bush Cheney. And instead, we found out that John Edwards fathered a child with his mistress while his wife was going through chemo. Yep. Is there anything lower? Oh, yeah. He didn't if, commit treason, but, you know, we held him accountable. Right. If John why Edwards. Why the Republicans don't is that's the key. It's finding out why Republicans won't hold Trump accountable. Right. If John Edwards had been a Republican, he would have spoken at the Republican convention the following summer. <laughs> You know of what course, I mean? he'd be After he'd, he'd be at CPAC with right. with Matt Schlapp, you know, and they'd be they <laughs> yeah. they'd be harassing staffers together, and they'd be doing all kinds of weird sex things because the Republicans are so suppressed and they've subjugated their women. And finally, I'm seeing there's some woman named Abby Abby Phillips. Is she's a conservative biatch, and she's tweeting. She's like our men aren't letting us do this and conservative men aren't letting us do that. And it's like, no fucking shit. They have never let you do that. Thank Mm. you for waking up to your subjugation. Right. You know, moms for liberty. What the fuck is wrong with all of you? Mm. So in this era of, you know, social media telling people what to think instead of just providing information saying, here's what happened. Here's what you should think of it. Instead of doing that, say, here's what happened. Now make up your own mind. Mm. Just please, 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 please don't support stupid people who are trying to overthrow the government. I, I don't know why that's hard yeah, for people. Yeah. And and what we need to do from this point on, like everyone's talking about what's going to happen in the House. Well, first of all, Hakeem Jeffries needs to be speaker. I think that's obvious. What are the chances we of that? Somebody- I, I think it's more likely that Hakeem Jeffries becomes speaker than it is that Donald Trump becomes speaker. You know what I mean? I think ha- that's ha- how ha- remote ha- it is. Ha- yeah. All right. Again, again, Donald Trump has a full calendar until after, I mean, taking him up to and then past November 2024, that guy is going to be either sitting in or avoiding sitting in a courtroom for the rest of his miserable life. He's already in a prison of his own making. He has violated the 14th Amendment that should make him completely, you know, ineligible to run for any public office Mm -hmm. ever again. When you have members of the Federalist Society saying that, I think the Republican Party should listen to that because if the Federalist Society is still giving the Republican Party a boost and all their money and all of these perks and all of that, the Federalist Society needs to be saying a lot louder that Donald Trump is a fucking criminal who shouldn't be allowed to run for office again, as well as Marjorie Taylor Greene and all of the other insurrectionists who violated the 14th Amendment on January 6th. But Trump is the number one. He, again... He is on trial right now yeah. in New York. That He's a little busy, you guys. He can't be Speaker of the House because <laughs> right. he's in court. Uh, the, and then when he's done with this trial, he's got five more. The thing that drives five me, more trials. The thing that drives me crazy, Tara, is not only is he uh, facing 91 felony counts in court. There's with more to come. Yeah, and more to come, obviously. 
But there's this other dimension that came out this week. John Kelly, the former chief of staff, confirmed that oh. Trump called these military veterans suckers and losers. I mean, the great right. irony of this is you want to go back in time. We can talk about this. The leader of the Republican Party, the same party that folded patriotism into its brand after 9-11, basically said, hey, we're the party of American patriotism. We're the party of the troops. And now the leader of that party is confirmed to have called military veterans suckers and losers. And yet they're they're still like, oh, yes, we've got to have this guy as president. In fact, let's make him Speaker of the House in the meantime. Holy God, that's how far Why that party has collapsed. I mean, we need to remind everybody that Cadet Bone Spurs got his daddy to buy him <laughs> five, not one, yeah. but five Vietnam deferments. And the reason he behaves the way he does around real militaries, because they make him feel like a the giant coward yep. that he is, which is why he bullies them, he belittles them, he insults the military, he has no bravery, he is spineless, he's a yellow-orange coward bastard traitor. Mm-hmm. When you you are trying to get General Milley assassinated because you committed treason, how is this the logic that is ever presented? How does it ever get out into the mainstream media? How does anybody, even those who were remaining loyal to Donald Trump, how do you look at General Milley and choose Donald Trump over him? Yeah. What happened to you? I want to know what happened. What is the compromise he's got on Lindsey Graham? I don't care if Lindsey Graham had a sexual relationship with a man. I mean, mean, unless it was like a child, then it's bad. Yeah. Short of murder and raping children, which I'm sorry, but- uh, Matt Gates has raped children. He's still in the house. So w- what's so bad? What's so bad that Donald Trump has got on you that we don't already know about? What else is there? What yeah. else is there that you have chosen your bank account and Donald Trump and your reputation over the entire United States of America and our national security? Tommy yeah. Tuber villain. What? What is this that one person is allowed to go rogue and control the government. What is it that allows Matt Gates to stand up on the House floor and control the narrative? Why isn't George Santos already in prison? There are so many unanswered questions about this compromised GOP that frustrates the shit out of me. And instead, we've got people writing hot garbage about how Joe Biden is 80 years old. Right. Um, so, so is Mick Jagger. Mick Jagger, also 80 years old. And I would say that they rival each other in energy and spryness. Joe Biden rides a bike, so he falls off. Gravity is real. Joe Biden takes spin classes in Pilates. Joe Biden also knows how to drive a car and ride a bike. Donald Trump doesn't know how to do any of those things. Yeah. So, because no one loved him enough. No one ever loved Donald Trump enough to teach him how to ride a bike. So, yeah, you know what? Biden, the, the funny thing about that story, real quick, Tara, is it just yeah. illustrates that a lot of the people criticizing Joe Biden for falling off a bike have no idea how to yeah. ride a bike. And it's exactly. be, the reason he fell over is because he had his foot in the toe clips the on the. Yeah, yes. and he couldn't get his foot out in time. This has happened to me more times than I can count as I'm riding oh my, my God, bike any, where you can't get off the pedal yeah. Per, yeah exactly yeah. every right. single human being who's ever been on a bike has fallen off that bike mm-hmm. every single human being is impacted by gravity not all of us are caught on <laughs> right. camera when it happens but i mean 
there's a difference between laughing at an intentional falling down comedic thing. And then there's another thing about enjoying somebody else's misery because you're a giant piece of shit. So, and you have nothing else, right? So you can't say, and remember, whenever anybody is talking about Donald Trump, they don't defend him. They can't Mm. point to something good he did and said, but he did this and he did that. No, they have to bully us. They have to scapegoat Taylor Swift. They have to scapegoat Hunter Biden. You know, it's all about scapegoating and moving the goalposts so they don't have to ever look at the reality that stares at them in the mirror every morning or when they look at Trump. Because when they look at Trump, they are looking into the abyss they have created within themselves. And they know that their lives are not theirs anymore. They That's why they all look like shit, by the way. Mm-hmm. Have you seen, I mean, if you look at Look at a picture of Ted Cruz in 2016 and look at him now. Look at Lindsey Graham in 2020 and look at him now. Yeah. They have all just evil, just, you know, just sucks you dry. And it sucks all the good and all the good things that keep your skin moisturized and happy. <laughs> just they're miserable. They are That's all right. miserable. They have at this late stage, anyone who is still loyal to him, he's got something on them mm. and they are terrified He's going to broadcast that. That is why you hear Donald Trump for speaker or Donald Trump has been, you know, he it's a witch hunt or this is a p- politically motivated attack on Donald Trump. Bullshit. Do you this think is Donald Trump getting his just desserts and y'all don't like the taste of it? That's what it is. Do you think Elon Musk is enjoying his ownership of Twitter? I don't think he what is. A fucking piece of shit. I hope he's miserable, too, because this did not go the way he thought. No, but apparently Um, he based his entire strategy for Twitter on a blog post written for a website run by a white nationalist who used to speech write for both Trump and Matt Gaetz, for God's sake. So that's totally unsurprising, right? I mean, now that we know this, though, right, we already I already knew from the outset that Elon Musk buying Twitter was a deliberate act of sabotage. Yeah. And he was in a position to ruin the number one communication tool on the planet that we had all come to rely on as our main source of information, connectivity, promotion, all of the things that we needed as humans via social media was provided. And he can't let anybody enjoy nice things because he's a giant piece of shit. He's also he and Trump are very similar in the way they were raised, right? Yeah, yeah. They were born born into privilege. They were raised by parents who did not care about them because their parents were too focused on themselves. You know, you have two selfish, narcissistic parents who did not love them and showed by example that the way to go through life is by stepping over people to get what you want. Mm-hmm. And it's not about love. It's about greed and getting yours. Yeah. And Elon Musk was raised by a rich, apartheid loving, diamond mining, racist anti-Semite and a mother who enabled it. Oh, by the way, Elon Musk's mother has me blocked on Twitter. Ah! Fuck you, May. <laughs> Fuck you, May Musk. Sorry, sorry, because I told her that wow, she did a shitty a job cut. raising her kid. <laughs> Right? That's that is a deep a, cut. What we used to call on radio, when, a deep cut. Yeah, you're getting that, that blocked by family what? members of people who have blocked you. Correct. And and meanwhile, when, when Elon wanted to do away with Twitter, I would respond to, I do away with blocking on Twitter. Yeah. When he was like, maybe we should get rid of blocking. I would respond with the, the my screenshot of my, my main Musk blocking me like, tell it to your mom. <laughs> and, <laughs> 
Seriously. Awesome. Seriously. <laughs> the levels of hypocrisy. And then you have Linda going, we're fighting anti-Semitism. I'm like, really? Here's a screenshot of people being anti-Semitic towards me and you telling me and me reporting it and them sending me that email saying, we haven't found any violations. It's like, hey, Paris Hilton is sliving. Does that mean that you're an anti-Semite and you're okay with hating Jews because your buddy Linda Yaccarino only cares about chasing that clout? It's such yeah. crap. And so Elon Musk deliberately ruined Twitter. We have the outline and we know this. What do we do about it now? We Can we get Jack back? I don't think so because people weren't really happy with Jack Dorsey. What do we do? Who can remove him? Who can restore the normalcy to Twitter that we had before? I just want my blue check back. Yeah. I want the blue bird back. Mm-hmm. I want my visibility back. Yep. I want my tweets to stop being suppressed because you don't like that I tell the truth. Mm-hmm. That's not up to you. It's not up to you to decide how I use the First Amendment. It's not up to you to tell me what to say and do. It's not up to you. This is supposed to be a free speech platform, and it's not anymore. And I don't really, I mean, if he wanted his own social media app and call it, why didn't he just make one? Why didn't he just buy Gab? Twitter is what Gab is, right? Well, yeah. It's it. You know what? Step four in this outline created by this website that's run by Darren Beatty, this white nationalist. It's what step, the fuck? We should. Yeah, I mean, but step four is the deplatforming of Twitter. The goal eventually is to get. To, we haven't reached step four in Elon's plan right. yet, or the plan that was laid out for Elon. And step four is Google and the Apple App Store deplatforming Twitter. So the question is, when does that happen? When can we get to hopefully, that point where it's deplatformed? I mean, hopefully never, because yeah. because I, I'm staying, right? Yeah. I'm staying, Stephen King is staying, all the bigger accounts are staying yeah, to me make too. sure that doesn't. Yep. That make you are, yeah. Cal is, just make sure that that's, it, that doesn't that doesn't happen. And all of those people are like, well, I'm leaving, I'm leaving, I'm leaving. Well, why? This is, this is ours. We were here first, right? We were here before Elon decided to do that. And we have to remain resistant to everything that he's trying to do to something that matters to us because we Mm -hmm. can't just roll over and let it happen. We have to fight back. And the way you fight back is by continuing to put out the truth and you band together and you boost each other's tweets and we keep going. And I, I, again, I don't know where, what, when he reaches the point where he's like, fuck it, I have to walk away from this. I, I, I mean, between what he's doing with Starlink Mm. to help Russia instead of our ally, Ukraine, and this, he is clearly in cahoots with Putin, and he thinks it's funny. That's the other thing that really bothers me about Elon, because he's on the spectrum, and he doesn't understand the subtleties of human behavior. And I would say that anybody on the spectrum who doesn't have the ability to pick up on social cues should not run a social media site. Mm. It's pretty basic. And so if your intention is to just make your dipshit fanboy incel army happy, go over on Gab and continue to do your swilling over there. Leave Twitter alone. Let us have one place where you're not driving the conversation. But he can't do that because there's male ego involved. That's unchecked rich white male privilege, which is a blight on this planet. And it is people once again thinking that because somebody has money, it makes them a leader, it makes them smart, it makes them worth listening to. And no, it does not. 
Elon Musk is not smart. Elon Musk is not funny. Elon Musk is not a politician. That stunt at the border with his cowboy hat on backwards and his moves on full display in a stupid shirt with his scruffy, with his scruffy, I'm a chronic masturbator facial hair. No. No. Is that what that signifies? That patchy facial hair is chronic masturbator? Okay. Right? If you go back and look at everybody's high school yearbook and all of those boys have the weird caterpillar coming in mustache, that's what that is. I I had no idea that that was a correlation between beard hair and masturbation. That's just my take. That's just my take because most most of the people who follow Elon have never known the touch of a woman. They didn't have to inflate first. So... Yeah. It's, and it's you know what? Those sad. people, those it's people are trying to petty revenge. Those people are trying to take over the world right now. <laughs> the incels. And we can't yeah. let them. Right. We can't right. let them. Like the base, the, everyone in their mom's basement using her credit card to pay Elon $8 a month for a blue check. So people with 60 followers can get leverage over people like me. That's fucked up. That is so fucked up, Bob. When I'm out here, I used to have two jobs writing about politics, and one of those websites folded because suppression is ma- is is keeping traffic from going to the websites, mm-hmm. and websites can't make money if their their tweets aren't being seen. Thanks, Elon. And then the other website laid me off at the end of July. So go. I went from two jobs writing about politics to zero jobs, and I'm I'm here sitting here. Uh, the first week of October, barely able to pay my rent because I had asked my mom for help. And I have to go on the internet and ask people, please, please, here's my Venmo. Here's my sub stack. Oh, and by the way, I wrote a book. Yeah, what's and, it, t- talk about your book. It's called The Sound oh, of Settling, right? It just came out. I, I love know. my Yeah. I love my book so much. And, and that's the other problem that I finally decide to self publish my book and only like 25 people are going to know about it because Elon is a piece of shit yeah. and took away my blue check. And took away my visibility and suppresses my tweets. Well, you know, so, real quick, Terry, you know, the great irony mm-hmm. of that is everyone's going over to threads now, and it seems to be the most active. The problem is Mark Zuckerberg runs it, and Mark Zuckerberg right. changed the algorithm on Facebook that completely dried up traffic to things like yep. websites and podcasts and yep. new books and self published yep. books in particular, where anything that is even close to being a link that takes people people away from Facebook is then suppressed and engagement drops to next to nothing now. And so, right. but that's, exactly. that's the guy we're all running to as a replacement for Elon. Not me. Yeah. I'm not on threads. I'm not on threads and I'm not on threads because I don't have an Instagram and I don't yeah. have an Instagram because it was suspended a few years ago and it was suspended for harassment and violating terms of service repeatedly, which I did not actually do. Hmm. What I did was because I am a MAGA target and they can't leave me alone because God forbid you let the little Democratic girl on Twitter speak her mind. Um, I would post screenshots of the harassment I was getting and then I would get reported for harassment on Instagram and I would start trying to explain to them, I'm the one being harassed, you fucking idiots. And instead of seeing that, they suspended me and I lost like nine years of photos of my children and all kinds of things that I put on Instagram because there's no human being you can t- contact at Instagram to say, hey, I'm a woman being harassed and you're not helping me or protecting me. So fuck Instagram, fuck threads. I, I'm staying on Facebook only because I have 3,000 
3,100 followers there. Mm-hmm. I have 109,000 followers on Twitter. Well, depending on the day and how much I'm being suppressed, maybe it's 108.5 now. And then I have 4,300 TikTok followers or something. Yeah. But none of that is enough. And because of all of the suppression, it is hard mm-hmm. when I don't have a traditional, I don't, I tried to get an agent for my book and got 50 rejections. And I told myself when I hit 50 rejections, maybe I'll think about self-publishing. And what kept me from self-publishing, I was kind of afraid that MAGA people would find it and write all kinds of terrible things about it, but they can't find it because Twitter's suppressing me. Great. So, but not great because then I can't promote it. Um, to, to the best of my ability. So it's, it's very, 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 it's a frustrating time yeah. for those of us who uh, had a platform. We, I mean, if, if this was a year ago, right, right before all of this started and I decided to self publish my book and I still had my blue check and Elon hadn't shit all over everything, I probably would already have like a production company deal at this point. Yeah. But I, but because of what it has become, it's people are like, you wrote a book. Like you just said, I didn't know you wrote a book and you and I follow each other. And so that just tells you how screwed the social media algorithms are. Yeah. Yeah. When good, good people can't be seen for doing the good things that we're doing. The pisser Tara is the fact that those of us with a point of view who have used our real names in the expression of that point of view on numerous platforms going back years. The problem with that is that we're rewarded and I say rewarded sarcastically by not being able to get work ever outside of that political Ever. realm. You know what I mean? It's the yeah. fact th- that we have sacrificed our names and our points of view online uh, now makes us unhirable. So you either yeah. continue doing what you're doing or you're totally screwed, right? And it's incredibly frustrating. And you know that I come from radio. Yeah. And um, I did radio here in Portland for five years. And when I got laid off in 2009, it wasn't because I did anything wrong. It's because the economy tanked and they were making all kinds of cuts. And we already know what's happened to radio uh, since. And you and I could do a whole other show just about that. And what's frustrating for me is that there is a local major mainstream uh, company here that could produce a liberal talk show and make a lot of money from it, but they won't hire me. And they blocked me on Twitter. And that is KXL here in Portland, hmm. but they'll syndicate Lars Larson, Lars Larson, who is a fraction of the followers I have, who is a mediocre ultra MAGA white guy loser sits here in Portland, Oregon, and is syndicated to the entire country with all, all of his lying hate speech. And I can't get a break in Portland and my former radio station, 94, seven alternative Portland, KNRK. Blocked me on Facebook. Oh, my God. Why do they do that? Why do you think they did that? uh, um, Well, I mean, I've tried very, very hard to get back to my old job because nothing would make me happier than to be back on my old station, doing my midday show, talking about music instead of politics. Nothing would make me happier. And I don't know why they haven't hired me back. I'm an untapped gold mine. I have shit tons of connectivity. I can get people to talk to me that no one else can get. And because I was critical of the radio, after I got laid off, they're like, well, no, not her. They've hired back men in their company who are awful, who have said terrible things, who have behaved terribly. They're back. 
Not me, though. I don't know why I'm so scary to them when all I want to do is go talk about music on the radio. So a couple of weeks ago on their Facebook page, they put up a thing saying, hey, listen, hey, our listeners, what's a really great, cool and fun thing that you love about Portland? Please be positive. So one of my closest friends posted Tara Dublin and tagged me. Tara Dublin, we loved her so much and we miss her on 94.7. Bring her back. And instead of letting that live, they deleted her comment and blocked me because they were afraid that I'd come in there and be like, yeah, 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 bring all my 3,000 followers with me to be like, yeah, bring her back, bring her back. Why wouldn't you want that? I don't, you know... And I've always said this, but I don't, I don't really care if you don't like me personally, but you have to see the value in what I bring. Mm-hmm. So like for alpha broadcasting or for any conservative uh, radio company to not be able to take a step back and go, OK, I don't have to agree with your politics, but I'm happy to make money from them. Why can't you do that? Mm-hmm. Make money off of me. Yeah. Please do. Please. Because you will. You will. If we had an Air America type thing going on right now that we all had a cohesive Thing that was broadcast nationally, I believe we could make money from that. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't when they tried it in the nineties and people were slamming it. We didn't have the environment that we do now where we needed that level of truth at the national level. We need it now. And so, you know, if I'm being, if I'm being blocked by radio stations here in Portland, cause they're afraid of hearing the truth that I have to tell, that means I really need to tell it a whole lot louder. Hmm. That's what I think. Yeah. Right. That's what I think. And instead, instead, I'm sitting here not knowing how I'm going to pay my November rent because I'm not employed at this moment. No one's paying me to write about politics as they should be. I should be writing for the Daily Beast. I should be writing for the Washington Post and the New York Times. Not these yahoos are like, Joe Biden's too old and Taylor Swift's not cool. And what? And that woman in the Washington Post, Bob, who wrote, I might not care for Republicans anymore, but at least Donald Trump still knows how to dress. Oh, God. Are you serious? Those suits. Did you miss that? Did you miss that one? Those suits draped over his teeny tiny shoulders, just hanging off the side of his shoulder pads, hanging off the sides of his arms. Yeah. (laughs) Looks great. Diaper. Yeah. And the fact that he's still at the age of 77 can't tie a tie. Right. Right. So. But but no. Yeah. So in. So and. In talking about writing and getting seen and making money, um, here's me begging for Venmo tips and Substack subscribers and self-publishing my book because I can't get anybody to advocate for me. I have me. Yeah, right. So then I find out fucking Marjorie Taylor Greene has quote-unquote written, no, she didn't, a quote-unquote book. So let's break that down. So first of all, some <laughs> Poor, sad ghostwriter was hired, and I contend that they're probably in a padded cell right now in a fetal position after writing this shit. So her book, which is called MTG, and the cover looks like the uh, the back the blue flag. Um, <laughs> God. Right? Mm. Okay. So some poor sucker got paid whatever to write that. It's being put out by Don Jr.'s quote-unquote publishing company, and they're called... Winning Team Press. Oh, my Winning God. Winning Team Press. And they were created because traditional publishing houses, like Random Random House and Simon & Schuster. It's Simon & Schuster. Simon & Schuster tends to publish a lot of books by Republicans. And 
then those books are bought up by the RNC in bulk, like Don Jr.'s book and Jared Kushner's book. And any Republican that you see on the bestseller list, you can thank the RNC's Republican publishing racket for money laundering all of that money. Nobody buys those books. Nobody buys them and and definitely nobody reads them. That's what's going to happen with Marjorie's book. It'll get bought up in bulk by the RNC to falsely inflate the sales. Nobody will read it. And I'm sure it's full of lies and typos. And and that will make money for her Mm -hmm. because the RNC is basically going to write her a check. Here, Marge, here's money for you to keep backing Trump and lying for us, you paid shill. It's a giant grift, yeah. I mean, the biggest grift, the GOP is the grifting old perverts, the grifting old pedophiles, the (laughs) grifting old Putin pups. Yeah. (laughs) Just whatever you want to call them. And then here's me, an actually talented writer, and I'm going to say that because I am, wrote a really good book, and I can say that because I have a five-star review on Amazon right now, and I've sold 127 books. 127. I think hey, we can that's, be better than that. That's more books than I sold. I, I had a book Is out it? in 2008, and I, I think I sold less than 100 copies. <laughs> wow. Disaster. Did you self-publish, or was it a traditional it, publisher? It was a, it was a traditional publisher. The problem was is the book was supposed to come out two months before the 2008 election, and it came out uh-huh. a month after the election when no one cared about politics. It was oh, so mishandled. Yeah, it was very painful. Well, but, you know. What I would like to reiterate to people that my book is not even about politics. Yeah, yeah. What, wrote, what's it about? Wrote, Talk about it. Okay. So I wrote uh, a rock and roll love story, and it's I call it meta- fan fiction because it is based on my Dave Grohl story, which if you don't know my Dave Grohl story in a nutshell, in 2001, when I was a registered member on the Foo Fighters post board before there was social media and before you could talk to celebrities like I talked to Mark Hamill every day, um, uh, I won a contest that was only for Foo Fighters fans to go to a secret show with the Troubadour in L.A., and I flew down there, and I'm standing in the front. And, you know, girls are always like, oh, my God, the lead singer totally looked at me. Well, oh, my God, the lead singer totally looked at me. But then he goes, I know who you are. So Dave Grohl knew who I was before we ever met and had a crush on me. He used to call me his internet crush. I don't know why. I never found out why. To hmm. this day, I don't know why, Bob. For 22 years, I've been wondering, how'd you find me? Why me? What the fuck? Never found out. Hmm. Um, and then when, and even after I, I, I met him after that show, he wouldn't tell me in the brief amount of time that I used to go hang out. I, anytime there was a food show between 2001 and 2009, I would go and get to hang out with him side of stage or hang out with him backstage and no bodily fluids were ever exchanged. I am not a groupie. I have never been on my knees to get backstage or let anybody touch me anywhere to get access to a rock star. I have never had to do that. Especially, and not even, not when I was on the radio, nothing, nothing, nothing. Never been with a rock star ever, ever, ever. Dave Grohl had a crush on me. There was a brief period of time where I had an email for him and we exchanged some sexy discussions. And I won't tell you when, but, and I won't tell you what, because that's nobody's business. And to my own detriment, Bob, I have protected Dave Grohl's reputation because if I told everybody everything that he said and when he said those things to me, I don't think that would make his wife happy, and I don't think it would make his daughters happy. So I won't do it. I won't do it. And if people want to call me a groupie and a stalker, they can do that, but it's inaccurate. Yeah. It's not accurate. It's not. And if you take, and people who 
only grew up with social media or don't know anything about what it's like to not have social media. Back in 2001, when I'm 32 years old and the mother of a two-year-old and not famous on social, wasn't on the radio yet, just this regular, everyday, normal person. And back in 2001, people were still like wary of the internet. Cause like when I told people I won this contest, I'm going to fly down to LA and I'm going to meet all of these people that I've been chatting with on the internet for two years on the food fighters board. They were like, you're meeting people from the internet. That's weird. Hmm. And now these days, if you say, Oh, I met somebody, they don't have a Facebook and they're not on social. They're like, they're not on social. That's weird. It's like, like they don't you know exist. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> it's right? like, but how do you vet somebody if they're not on social media? When yeah. 20 years ago, we were like, you're going to go meet somebody from the internet? How do you vet that? So, but anyway, it made my head explode. Yeah. Why would he, why me? What, why, what for? I mean, I, I don't, I didn't get it. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand. But after a while, I, I did a lot of self-work on myself. And I was like, well, it doesn't matter why or how. It just matters that it was me. And it helped me start seeing myself in a different way because I felt invisible. I was not happily married. I loved being a mom and loved my son. And I had a second son and all of that. But like, I, you know, in the back of your mind, you're like, what if that night at the Troubadour when Dave Grohl asked me to go out with him and I couldn't because I had to fly home to my child the next day. What if I didn't have a child to fly home to and I just decided, fuck it, I'm not going to go home to my husband. I'm going to go home with Dave Grohl. What would have happened? So that's what the book is. The book is about an unhappily married woman who does not have a child, who wins a contest to see her favorite band. And she's going to use this opportunity to leave her bad marriage and go make a life for herself. She's only 32. She has plenty of time she can do that. But instead, the lead singer calls her out by name and she's like, oh my God, I love you. And then she stays with him. Hmm. And then at some point she wakes up and realizes, holy shit, I followed a man through life and then I turned around and I did it the fucking, why did I do this again? But by the time she realizes it in the book, she's very much entrenched in this world. She has obligations and responsibilities. And then will she stay or will she go? Because if she stays, she loses who she is. Yeah. But if she goes, there's a whole bunch of things that will crumble without her. So it's this it's this thing of women are often forced to eat shit and smile like it's cake because they have to make themselves smaller to accommodate other people for the greater good. Mm -hmm. And that's a role a lot of women have found themselves in, whether it's in a marriage, in a job, wherever. And we've been socialized. Oprah calls it the disease to please. And so we've been socialized to do just that. And the character in the book who is based on me is not me, but it has some of my qualities. And at some point she's like, who am I? And how do I continue to be me while I have been completely, uh, you know, neutralized by this world? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and I, the re- writing it was a cathartic and beautiful experience. And I rewrote it and rewrote it and edited it and, until I was really, really happy with it. And I have uh, a universal evergreen blurb from Cameron Crowe about my talent as a writer that I am allowed to use with any projects to promote because Cameron Crowe is a great guy like that. And so I have this blurb from Cameron Crowe. I have this real life connection to Dave Grohl. I have this completely unique meet cool meta fan fiction, rock and roll love story. And agents at large are like, no, thank you. And I was like, "Mm, okay. And then there was this part of me, Bob, that thought at the same time that it would be really nice because I haven't seen Dave Grohl or spoken with him since 2009. And the last time I saw Foo Fighters live was 2015 when they played Portland. Mm-hmm. And he was, that was when he broke his leg and he was in the throne. Oh, it was and, that show. Uh, wow. I, okay. That show. Mm. 
and he they had this catwalk and he was in this like throne made of guitars and it would like move up to the end of the catwalk and move back to the end blah, 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 back and forth and it was like hilarious and weird and <laughs> i stood at the end of the catwalk because you know i hadn't seen him in forever and he saw me and he waved at me he's like hey what the fuck are you and he dedicated breakout to me and then at the end of the show he tipped one of the he stood up on, on his crutches and he tipped the end of his crutch to me like he used to tip the end of his guitar to me and taylor was there and he waved he's like oh my god hey how are you and <laughs> uh I yelled at, oh my, I was like, hey, Dave, I love you. And he's like, I love, he goes, Tara, I love you too. And it was great. I haven't seen him since, haven't spoken to him since. I don't know how to get in touch with him. And I did try. Before yeah. I self-published the book, I tried for a long time. And I tried to go through management. And I tried to tag, and I tagged Foo Fighters on Twitter and on TikTok. And no response. And I have come to learn, I think most adults have come to learn, that sometimes no answer is your answer. Yeah. Because for whatever reason, someone is afraid to say to you, no, and here's why. Mm -hmm. So a few weeks back, or last month, before I self-published, and I was still putting up these excuses for why I wasn't just self-publishing my book and lamenting and keening into the internet, I had about three or four of my friends take me to task and hand me my own ass on a silver platter and say, here's what you're doing. We love you so much. Stop doing this. Hmm. I'm one of my friends called me up. She goes, I'm really tired of going to your Facebook and seeing nothing but fucking Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters. I'm tired of it. Where are you? This isn't Dave Grohl's book. This is your book. This is your story. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, I know. But, you know, like if I'm going to promote this out in the world and I have to use his name to promote it, I just wanted to know that it's respectful. I'm not going to say anything bad about him. I'm not going to reveal any of the secrets. I'm going to take him to the grave. And she's like, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And you don't have to do that. And I was like, okay, fine. And then I had the best thing that happened that week was a friend of mine who I have known for just as long as this story, this, the Dave Grohl story. In mm -hmm. fact, she was there the night he called me out on stage and she was there backstage with me. Um, she has a direct line to the management and she contacted them on my behalf and she let me know. The band was aware, Dave was aware because they'd seen my, my stuff. They've seen the things that I've tagged them in. They don't care. They don't care. They don't care about this book. And they also don't care that I'm pretty much convinced that I'm the person who convinced Dave Grohl to write times like these, which is a whole other thing, um, which I've also written about and made videos on TikTok about because the Foo Fighters were on the brink of breaking up and he was on tour with Queens of the Stone Age and they came here to Portland and I got to hang out with him at the soundcheck. And he told me to go to Coachella because basically both the Foo Fighters were going to get up and play a bunch of covers and then break up like literally on stage. That was the plan. And I was like, well, I'm not, I, if you're going to go and play a bunch of shitty covers, then you have to cover my favorite song ever, which is Heroes by David Bowie. And he told me he could never cover that song because the Wallflowers did. And I was like, fine, if you're going to make me get on a plane and camp at Coachella and you're not going to play a cover of my favorite song, you need to write me a song that's just as good as Heroes. And then he went to his hotel room and he wrote Times Like These. And Times Like These is Heroes. If you listen to it, instead of, I, I will be king, you hear, I, I. I'm a one-way motorway. Yeah. So yeah. I'm pretty convinced that I'm the reason he wrote times like these and then Foo Fighters didn't break up. They didn't. But after a while, I let all of it go. And I wasn't really paying that much attention to what the band or what Dave was doing throughout the years. I mean, they put out a record, great. I would buy the record and listen to it and enjoy it. 
I didn't even know Dave Grohl had a third daughter until she was like five. He was on some TV show talking about his daughters and he was like, and he, and it was like, oh, uh, uh, Violet Harper and Fifi. And I was like, and who? And then I went on the Google and I was like, well, look at that. He had a third daughter. I felt so healthy. I felt so mentally healthy that I had no idea. Because there <laughs> yeah. was a time, there was a time I would have been able to tell you when she was born, what she weighed, what, you know, like I would have been able to do that back in the day. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. And I will tell you that if Taylor Hawkins hadn't died last March, I would not be paying attention to the band nearly as much because it's just, I had grown up and moved on, not crushing on him. Yeah. He'll always have a special place in my heart because when he called me out on stage, he made me feel not invisible. Right. I'm not invisible. I'm attractive to the world's biggest rock star. That's awesome. I'm special. And then I found out I'm not that special. I'm not that special. It's fine. Dave Grohl does not. And the bottom line is I have been set free from all of the old things that were holding me back from publishing this book that I love so much because it's the best thing I've ever written in my entire life. And I could not be more proud of myself. So Dave Grohl doesn't care. Great. I can promote it as much as I want, wherever I want, the way I want. So back of the book, it says nothing about him. His name's not on the book. His name's not in the book. His name is not on the Amazon description. It's nowhere. It's nowhere. There are a ton of Foo Fighters Easter eggs in the book for super fans. If they want to go in there and hunt for it, that would be super fun for them. But after the meet cool, everything is made up. The whole book is, I mean, maybe there's some dialogue taken from things that I heard because mm-hmm. I was in that world. Maybe there were some things that he said to me that I used in the book at, in another way. But there is no time where I say anything that would embarrass him or reveal some truth about him that he wouldn't want the world to know. Right, right. And and again, if it's to my detriment that people are going to frame me in a specific way, I can't do anything about that. Mm-hmm. But at this and at the same time, it would be nice if he understood that number one, I don't, I have no intention of trying to take you away from your wife. Like if I wanted to do that, I'd be doing that. I don't yeah. want to do that. I don't know where he lives. I don't, I have never driven around LA looking for him. Like the the things that people have tried to accuse me of doing is just fucking ridiculous. Um, So, but what it comes down to right now is I just want people to buy my book. I want people to buy my book so that it gets enough attention that maybe a production company will option it and we can turn it into a streaming series because I can totally see it all in my head. And the people who liked Daisy Jones and the Six would love it. And if you liked Almost Famous and Rockstar, but also there's a feminist through line because it's me writing it. Yeah. And it's re- and at the same time, there's Marjorie's bullshit, ghost-ridden, crap book of lies. And so <laughs> right. we need to make sure that my book outsells her book. Mm-hmm. And if I can do that, I mean, yeah. there is no world where her, her book should outsell mine. I don't have the RNC to back me to buy up my book in bulk, though. She does. Yeah. She yeah. has that ability. I don't. Right. And because I don't have a blue check and I don't have a literary agent and I don't have all of those traditional things that I had even a year and a month ago or whatever that would help me really boost this and get this out in the world. Now I'm here scraping and begging for pennies. Now I'm here going, waving my arms frantically saying, if you're a person who reads books, please read my book. Mm -hmm. Don't get distracted by this. Don't get distracted by that. 
but for now, like, what can I do? So today I have, so up for today, I have, when I woke up before I spoke to you, mm-hmm. I had sold 126 books organically by myself in three weeks. So the intention is to keep building that number yeah, and getting more and more. And then it's getting more people to share it, getting big accounts to share it, uh, getting big accounts to retweet my pinned tweet. So just that people know I wrote this book, getting people who are my friends who don't like you, you and Kimberly and Hal and Malcolm Nance and mm-hmm. Fred Wellman and, you know, and Rick Wilson, all these big tuck frump and, Big, big, big accounts that people still follow. I'd love Horse Whisperer to know about it. Charlotte mm-hmm. Clymer has the book right now and she's reading it. So um, it's that. It's the word of mouth that I think is really going to boost this and get me the attention from a production company, from a traditional publisher who's going to see the value. I would like to be, you know, like Reese Witherspoon's book club or the Today Show's book club. There are ways to make books go viral. It happened to a woman named Colleen Hoover on TikTok. Her book just went, it exploded. And hers is, you know, like, I think like a Victor, I don't even know what it is, but it's like, it's a, a more, um, uh, I think it's a more explicit romance. Like mm-hmm. my book has sex in it. Don't, don't get me wrong. There's sexy sex in my book, but it's not, it's not about, it's, it, it's not porny. Yeah. It's not about it's that. Not, it's just a feature. It's not yeah. soft core. It's a storytelling. It's not soft core. Yeah. It's not score. It's not soft core stroke book fanfic. It's it's almost famous meets the way we were on the Warped tour. I said this to somebody last night at my low bar corral, which is a thing where we go and sing contemporary music, and she's mm. like, "What's the Warped tour?" And I was like, "How old are you?" Because if you don't know what the Warped <laughs> tour is, I'm I'm upset. Um, so, guys, my book is set from 2001 to 2006. Um, Because I didn't want social media clouding it. But it's also, that's when I was paying the most attention Mm -hmm. to that band. So that's where we're at. It's like, so I have a hashtag. I have a hashtag. The book is called The Sound of Settling. Yes. Link in the um, description under this episode at bobseska.com. Yep. Thank you. And uh, that's one of my, that's my favorite Death Cab for Cutie song. The Sound of Settling is, I've got a hunger. Oh, yes, that's right. Yes, I love that song. Yes, I love that. And so, and I thought it was a great way to describe what because that's what that's what it is in the book it's like uh, how, how much do you really have to settle for mm. if you're a woman in a man's world how much do we have to settle yeah why and why and why do we have to settle and should we yeah and that's really like that's the core of the book and um it, it's uh oh god i love it so much like, yeah. have, you ever, have you ever been so proud of something that like you just you want to like walk around and throw it at people like oh yeah take this i love it it's yours yep so the next the next and like um lisa ann walter from abbott elementary is reading it right now because mm-hmm. i told her there's a part in it for her ellen barkin wants to read it she doesn't have a kindle though so if someone wants to buy ellen barkin a kindle so i can send it to her that'd be great um And so it's all about getting the right people to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Because until, until I can get a traditional uh, agent, a traditional publishing deal or like anything traditional to promote it, it's just me. Yeah. It's You know, and so between, and if anybody who's listening, if they have, they have options to help, if they want to help, no one's under any obligation. I'm just here asking for, help in an organic way so people can find me on Venmo. It's at Tara Dublin. 
Uh, it's uh, uh, my Substack is taradublin.substack.com. And then the book is on Amazon. It's hard to find if you search. So I would encourage people just go to my TikTok, which is at Tara Dublin Rocks, or my Twitter, which is at Tara Dublin Rocks, and it's in my bio. The link is Perfect. in my bio. Yep. And the book is called The Sound of Settling. It's available on Kindle and in paperback. There's a slight printing error with the paperback in that the font is small, mm. but it's still readable and it's it's formatted correctly. And so that's another reason why I want to get it. Uh, a traditional printing, a traditional like, publishing deal, like a mass market paperback tie-in with the streaming series so that people don't have to say, you don't need a mic, you know, you don't need a magnifying glass to read it, but it's really good. Yeah. Um, so there we are. And going, you know, so it's all about beating Marjorie at the book sales, getting the truth out there, getting a full-time job writing about politics and getting the, tr it's really just wanting the truth to rise above yeah. the noise. Well, let's Louder get the, than MAGA yeah. and doing that. Let's get the word out about the book. Let's sell some books word. here. I, again, let's link in the description the under the episode, uh, not only on the Patreon page, but at bobseska.com to support the sound yes. of settling. Get it yes. now. Let's see. You Please. know what? Let's beat Marjorie Taylor Greene's book. That's a great idea. Tara, for no other reason. You don't even have to, I, I don't even care if you read it. Just yeah. buy it. Yeah, exactly. That's all you got to do. Just <laughs> put it on the shelf. Say, hey, look, that's Tara that's Dublin's book over mom. there. I haven't read it yet. I, yeah. Right, right, right. I, I told my mom, I'm like, mom, I don't care if you don't read it. Can you just buy it so that my yeah. royalty? And then she actually read it and she loved it. Sure. And the best thing my mom, my mom was like, you're a really good writer. Like she was surprised. And then <laughs> moms, she, I know. I mean, she loves me. She's a Jewish mother. She will support me to the end. Uh -huh. um, that doesn't mean she reads everything I write. And it doesn't mean she loves everything I write. But she was visiting a week and a half ago and she was reading it on her Kindle. Yeah. And one morning I woke up and she goes, I'm 55% done. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. She goes, she goes, is it wrong if I tell you that, like, while I'm reading it, I'm enjoying it so much that I forgot that you wrote it? <laughs> hey, that's great. What a great compliment. I was like, is it, I was like, I think that's a compliment, but yeah. okay. I, I was like, all I care about is that you enjoy it. And yeah, people yeah. are enjoying it, and they're not telling me that to make me feel good. People I don't know personally are reading it and enjoying it. So I think I told a really good story. I wrote a good character study in a world that people are obsessed with and are interested in eternally. And mm. I, and I, it's, it's just the thing. I've never written anything that I've been this proud of. Yeah. So I just want, and I want it, it I've given it to the world now. It belongs to the world <laughs> and I'm grateful to anybody who reads it. I'm grateful for everybody who enjoys it. I'm grateful to have friends who loved me enough to kick my ass into doing it. And I am also grateful to have friends like you who are willing to give me this amount of time uh, and exposure and the ability to share things with people who maybe before today didn't even know I was alive. Yeah. yeah. So it's all it's, you know, and I think good people eventually find each other. Yep. And we, we will all band. We all who have already banded together will continue to find good people and our resistance will continue to grow. Because we'll gravitate towards each other and cling to each other in like this giant life raft we've yeah. created together. Yeah, right. Got to hang together or else we're going to hang separately. I'll never kick you off the yeah. door. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> right. going to kick you off the door, Bob. Okay. As the Muscatanic goes down, the Muscatanic... <laughs> is going down. I'm on the door and there's plenty of room for everybody else on the door with me. That's right. Great idea. Right, I love Bob, that reference thank too. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tara. It was a pleasure to thank talk you. to you again. And, and we're going to have to have you back again real soon, huh? 
Anytime. All right. Because I'm not employed. I'm monumentally available. <laughs> That's right. I heard. I heard you were unemployed. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Maybe one of these days I'm, you'll come out of your shell. I'm just saying. I, I maybe. I'm a shrinking vial. We've got to figure this out. Okay. All right. Have a Take good one. Take it easy. Bye-bye. See you next time. Bye-bye. You live the